What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief in an effort to send biblical truth. And what better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Joining me again in the host spotlight, I don't know how long it's been, but I'm glad you're back, Miss Alicia Battaglia. Alicia, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. So we're all sitting in chairs today, so we're feeling yeah, extra, we feel a little squatty, squatty yeah. next to the tables. But I think I need to bring something else to light. Okay, do it. So, um, and Pastor Mark, you brought this to light too in the sermon on Sunday about the new chairs, which we've talked about um, over the last few weeks. And do your feet not F- touch the ground? Hold on, hold on. So F three, F three. They're, they got they were a little delayed in getting the sure. chairs downstairs and um, yeah so anybody with short legs like me <laughs> we dangle <laughs> like that the seats so are so firm and and yeah. boisterous like high and so like if I'm not wearing heels my feet are dangling that is so, so funny there is a population of people in our church. Um, who are have voiced their feet this? Are not I've, I've heard. I've heard it from a couple people. Uh-huh. I, you got to assume once the cushions kind of settle in, it'll. But that is funny because yeah. they are a little, a little taller. Yeah, yeah. So it was oh, the weirdest good. feeling. I sat yeah. down and I'm like, Do you just swing your legs like a little kid? I at recess? do. I was yeah. like, This feels so juvenile. Mm. That is so funny. Give her a lollipop and tell her to be quiet. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's good. Uh, you've heard him already. He's back with us. Been a while, uh, but thanks for being no, here, my Mark. Name's Mark. Mark yeah. Carey. Yeah, oh, welcome. I thought you said been a while. Yeah. No, oh. I'm Mark Carey. <laughs> There's the door. You, you free to free to leave? Uh, no. Good. Hey, we missed you, pal. No, yes. against Thank the you. odds, you know what I mean. We weren't anticipating missing you as much as we did. Oh, is that funny? Did. Yeah. So, yeah. hey, real quick, what what have you been up to these last like five weeks? I know you shared earlier today just some interactions you've had. Like you've you've been around church. Oh yeah, I mean, some people mistakenly think I'm on vacation when I'm not in the pulpit. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, it, it you know, funny thing about Sundays, I always say this: they come every seven days. Right. So. Um, <laughs> So normally, if when I'm in the pulpit week after week, you, you know, the my Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays are really study days, and mm-hmm. and uh, since so you know when I don't have that gun to my head, so to speak, then I'm able to do other things like maybe meet with more people or study other things, read other things that I normally wouldn't do. So mm-hmm. that's helpful. But then on the the actual weekends, yeah, uh, like this Sunday morning or even the F Sat night. Um, I am, uh, you know, it's like the Southwest Airlines commercial. You're free to roam around, to get up and roam <laughs> around. So, so it, you know, I can stay out in the hallway. I can meet people, go down to the nursery area or children's ministry, talk with the people there, just do overall kind of pastoral situational awareness, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and understand a little bit more uh, what's going on and. Yeah, have conversations with people I probably wouldn't have at least longer conversations, and uh, so that's uh, yeah, yeah. That's so those were encouraging. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Very encouraging. Very, very yeah. Uh, fun to yeah to have those times. Um, you know, in a, in a larger church, and you, you know, sometimes you, you your path will cross with people. And that's all it does. It just mm-hmm. ca- crosses. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. And then a lot of times you, it doesn't cross at all. Mm-hmm. And you wonder who are they? And you know, you find out they've been coming for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I yeah, it was good. Good. Some great conversations. Some great uh, foyer, hallway, uh, children's ministry area, nursery area conversations. That uh, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah, a lot of new people as well. So it's good you get a get a chance to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I I think it's good for any church leadership, mm -hmm. uh, elders, pastors, staff, ministry directors mm -hmm. to uh, not only be um, in their area, of course, that's what they're called to do at mm -hmm. the same time. I mm -hmm. mean, that's you're a bit like, you know, when I'm in the pulpit, then I usually stick around afterwards up the front and all that stuff. Right. But if you have that opportunity to move about and mm -hmm. uh, have a little more freedom to do that, then yeah, you, that's you, excellent. You, you, you can kind of take a little bit of the spiritual temperature and kind of, yeah. And anyway, it was yeah, healthy. Cool. It's good. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Alicia, let me come your way. Let's jump into a little bit of a, a Sunday in review here. So we're, we're back in Acts. Uh, kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of, right? <laughs> yeah. not, not necessarily starting Acts 10 yet, but a lot of foundation, kind of some framework stuff. Mm -hmm. What were some things that stood out this weekend? Yeah, it was, um, I was kind of expecting to jump into Acts 10 and, you know, let's get going with Cornelius and all mm -hmm. the good stuff. And then, it was, I saw the sermon notes. I was like, oh, okay, well, he's going to put that on pause and we're doing something different. But I was so pleasantly surprised. And I'll tell you why. So first of all, we just, just for a little recap here, we, um, instead of jumping in, you entitled your sermon, Pastor Mark, Man Proposes and God Disposes. And uh, you introduced the, the, uh, talk to us about what the early church was doing and um, how they were planning for an earthly kingdom, but God has different plans. And, and then, boom, you jumped into the sovereignty of God. And I was like, yes, <laughs> let's go. Because it is um, so, I, and I'll tell you just from my own experience, um, as a teenager, I first... Um, was introduced to the attributes of God. And that's where I started to learn about who God was mm. and his character. And my life has never been the same. And I think that when we see the attributes of God, namely his sovereignty, um, that affects all of life. Mm -hmm. And so we see, we can clearly see God's sovereignty in scripture. Um, but to dive in deeper and really understand what does sovereignty mean and who is God and how does that affect our lives? It affects everything. What we know about God really does affect everything. So I, um, I was thrilled to um, dive deeper into mm -hmm. the the oh, yeah. sovereignty of well, God. The, the sovereignty of God can inform everything else we're reading and discussing mm -hmm. instead of the other way around. Everything we're reading and discussing kind of kind of helps us conclude whether or not God is sovereign. Like I think there's a tremendous difference there. Yeah. And so, Mark, let me come your way. Like, other than there being a couple weeks off and kind of there obviously being merit to kind of a recap and a, hey, we're back, mm -hmm. we're about to jump in. What, what were some reasons for not necessarily immediately starting with 10, but really reminding everybody, hey, this is what we're up against? Well, yeah, it was important, I thought, to recap, to, to kind of, okay, here's where we've been. Mm -hmm. um, but I, it, it's, as I said, you can't miss it, or you shouldn't miss it, all through the book of Acts. And I, and I meant to say this, and I didn't. Um, mm -hmm. It's why we really shouldn't call that book the Acts of the Apostles. Mm -hmm. It really is the Acts of God, mm -hmm. or the Acts of the Holy Spirit, or the Triune mm -hmm. God. Yeah. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to bring that out, that you just can't miss. This is all part of the plan of God mm -hmm. that He is unfolding. 
and not just unfolding. I mean, he is directing, he's moving the pieces. He is um, stirring the hearts. This from beginning till the end is all somehow part of a plan of God that has been there from eternity past, the eternal plan of redemption um, Mm -hmm. that God is fulfilling. And um, so I just thought it was so important. Mm -hmm. And when we come to, originally, yeah, I was thinking of jumping right into chapter 10, but chapter 10, I mean, I could repeat this whole sermon next week on chapter 10 because Mm -hmm. it was God who moved Peter. It was God who raised up a Cornelius. It mm-hmm. was God who brought the, opened their eyes to, to accept the, the gospel message. It was God and his plan that moved the Jews towards the Gentiles mm-hmm. so that um, the, the church could progress forward into the uttermost part of the earth. The triumph of the gospel is a story of what God was doing. So mm-hmm. yeah. I did, you know, we, we can get so caught up in our daily life and make our making our own decisions and things about life in our, in our normal, the warp and woof of life that I, th- I, I just think it's important as believers that we mm-hmm. get that perspective of who God is mm-hmm. and that he is accomplishing his purposes. We're along for the ride in that sense. Mm-hmm. Now that raises all, all sorts of questions, mm-hmm. and right. it's good. You know, there, there's in a 40 minute message. You know, it's pretty hard to deal with the topic of the sovereignty of God, <laughs> and because um, it raises all sorts of uh, tensions. Oh, um, yeah. And that was good too. I, I yeah. hope it did. Anyway. Oh, well, and I appreciated. I mean, I, I was in the 10:45 service, but you basically said, "Don't ask, don't ask me to explain it." It's it's very complicated. Yeah. It's hard, and I don't know. Like I, I appreciate that level of transparency and humility. Anytime anybody's speaking, really, of just like this is this is difficult stuff. Mm-hmm. But we know who God is. Mm-hmm. Uh, are we going to know exactly how He's doing all of it? No way. But mm-hmm. we can, you know, know who He is. And and for me personally as well, I was in the pulpit a couple weeks ago, ending chapter nine. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of nouns. There's mm-hmm. a lot of places. It can kind of get to the point where you're like, this is, maybe I need some index cards to learn <laughs> all these people. But to take a pause and say, wait, this is all God. Mm-hmm. These are so- foot soldiers for mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. and for God. I, I think it, I think it's going to be a firm foundation for when we unpack 10 and everything that happens in it, which is so huge, mm-hmm. uh, to say, okay, Yes, it's all these names. Yes, wow, this, that, and the other. But you, you don't want to just arrive at. And and I have students like this all the time, hungry for the Lord, growing. I don't, I don't have what it takes to be somebody like Paul or mm. somebody like this. And you can kind of almost uplift man. If only I could be like them. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, when they were being them, they were trying to be Jesus, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And and mm-hmm. it just brings it all around to that, yeah. which I think is beneficial. Yeah, I, I looked up the word sovereign just in mm. the dictionary, and it means supreme power or authority. And um, Psalm one fifteen three says, "Our God is in the heaven, and He does all that He pleases." And you brought this out that 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 is exactly who He is. He does what He pleases, and He He will do that. He there's no limit to His authority. Mm-hmm. And then um, the word omnipotent also it, it overlaps with God's sovereignty, sure. and that means um, I looked that up having unlimited power, able to do anything, and so there's no limits in what God can do. And so I so appreciated how you brought out uh, just walking us through Acts and just what God has done from chapter one to the end of chapter nine right now, where just highlighting God's sovereignty, and um, I just think that that is 
such um, a place of assurance to know that God is keeping his promises. He's faithful to what mm-hmm. he said he's going to do. And we can see him doing that here. I mean, we see it all over the Bible, but specifically in our study of Acts, we can see God being faithful to who to who he is, to what he said he's going to do, and how he's also being faithful to equip uh, his people to deliver that message. So um, it's just, it's really neat to see God's sovereignty at work and then also how he's using um, his people and mm-hmm. their free moral agency to, um, to do his will mm-hmm. under his sovereign yeah. rule. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Does God's sovereignty mean, we could do a 90 minute podcast and you'd still leave confused, but God's sovereignty, does that mean we're mindless robots and not able to do anything? Of course not. We can. Although but- if you... Where I am, and sometimes looking out at the congregation, you sometimes wonder. Mindless no. robots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you you start to wrestle with those two things, and it's like, no, sovereign. We have an all capable God, but He's not totally doing all of it, and so we're not responsible. Like that's by no means the case. What what a, I appreciate you even just bringing up definitions for it. Mm-hmm. Another thing you mentioned there, Alicia, was all the Bible kind of points to it. And this was brought out this past weekend, the the Proverbs passages, the heart of man and the Lord actually being the one that establishes the steps. Mm-hmm. I love the way the Bible does a very good job uh, proving itself and demonstrating. Here's an example of what that might look like, because mm-hmm. we can study the Proverbs and it can kind of stay ethereal and spiritual, mm-hmm. but this is a, a proof text of that Proverbs, of the heart of man's preparing his way, mm-hmm. but Jews and what they expect to have happen. But instead in the book of Acts, you're going to see the Lord's establishing his steps, which is actually why upon reading it, it's so crazy and weird. You, you can't quite put a finger on what's going to happen next and why, because it's the spirit that's moving. Mm-hmm. And and we have a lens that that has, includes an incorporation of faith to that. And I don't know, I just think it tied in well with Proverbs. There's two, and you brought it up, Alicia, there's two characteristics of God that are kind of, you brought up and that we see in, in, uh, in that sermon that was kind of brought out. God is a transcendent God. So he is a sovereign God. Transcendent holy means he's separate from above all things, above all, all um, <clears throat> independent of all, totally separate and transcendent. But then it's the idea of his imminence. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is also engaged and very present. Yeah. Uh, he's a proactive God. And of course, where the tension comes in is is raising a question, are there limits to his transcendence? Are there limits to his imminence? I mean, is is God absolutely sovereign? Is man, we talk about the free moral choice, uh, man's free will, Is does man have an absolute free will? Well, those two are mutually exclusive. You can't have a God who's absolutely sovereign, I don't think, I don't see, I, that doesn't fit in my mind, and a man who's absolutely free. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if, if, if we go to the idea of man being absolutely free, right? What does it mean to be free? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Then it, that that would just by virtue of definition of common sense, that means that God would have to limit. He would not know until man, in his absolute freeness, made a choice. If he's you know, uh, can man choose to do all what he wants to do at any time he wants to do it, and is he free to not do mm-hmm. those things? And so, so that whole, so again, I think I see throughout scripture that if I'm going to err, err, I'm going to err on the mm-hmm. side of 
God's sovereignty yeah. over yeah. man's freedom to make choice. Yeah. Man's a free moral agent within the realm right. of the determined plan of God right. and what he has set up in his... In, and um, and that, yeah, that limits, there's a, there's a limit right. to our freedom. Yeah. And you said that, you know, there's nothing that can foil God's plan. And so no human decision made freely can thwart, thwart mm-hmm. God's sovereign rule and authority. Yeah. And I, I, you all have probably heard this quote a million times, but R.C. Sproul says, if there's one single molecule in this universe running around loose, totally free of God's sovereignty, then we have no guarantee that a single promise of God will ever be fulfilled. Hmm. And I think that that also means our hearts too. It's not just the physical molecules running around the world, but he's sovereign over hearts too. And we can see that in John 46, verse 44. Um, John 6. Yes, John 6, verse 44, um, where it says, No one can come to me, Jesus is saying, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So here we see God's you know, sovereignty over salvation. But then at the same time, in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, um, we can see man's will at play here. When Jesus, he's saying, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So he's, he's calling our wills to come to him. And so it's, it, that, that is a desire of the will mm-hmm. is to come to him. And that's, that's done freely, but but under his sovereign, loving hand. Yeah, and if you go back to that John 6 passage, where that word draw, you know, unless the Father draws him, if I'm correct on this, um, if I recall, you, you, you do a word study of that, and I think pretty much every other passage that that word is used, it is a drawing in the sense of not necessarily luring, uh, it, it, it's a word that was used of of uh, officials taking Paul and dragging him out of this, or or the mm-hmm. disciples dragging them out. It's there's always a a picture of of people. It, it's 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 dragging a, an animal out of the ditch. I mean, the, mm-hmm. it, it's it's more of an intense word mm-hmm. than just. Um, Pointing yeah. his come finger. On, come yeah. here. That's right. Yeah, That's right. Because there's there is a battle of the flesh and will. Like we naturally are resisting God. We hate God naturally. We are mm-hmm. enemies of God. We're actually dead in our trespasses and sin. Mm-hmm. And so, in order for us to be made alive in Christ, to be drawn to Him, that's a supernatural work that we can't muster up on right. our own. Mm-hmm. The, the 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 problem always comes in the confusion is though you read the passages of Scripture that indicate that man does make those free moral choices and and you have to define what that phrase is uh, you go to the the story in Genesis of Joseph uh, it, you know his brothers threw him in that pit and sold him to Potiphar mm-hmm. uh, you know all that whole story um I mean they they were they were acting in their sinfulness uh, and jealousy and but they made a choice to do that mm-hmm. and yet three times, uh, in that narrative, I think it's three times, it says that God sent Joseph to Egypt. Yeah. So so God somehow Both, yeah. incorporates the choices of mm-hmm. 
of people, of these brothers, to accomplish what his ends were determined. Mm -hmm. Theologians come up with these concepts or these words, these phrases to describe God's will as his, there is his preceptive will, his precepts. That's his word. So his commands. Mm -hmm. We know his will by what he has said in his word. He has uh, prescribed these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's also, um, apparently, and you, you look at it, there is a kind of a permissive will of God where um, he will allow for things and he, and he permits, God is not the author of sin, right. but he permits that those brothers sell their, son, their brother um, mm-hmm. to slavery. But then there are clear indicators of scripture where there is a decretive will of God that, and nothing will violate that. He decrees. So you take the, um, the earlier Genesis account um, the opening chapters of Genesis, you see the preceptive will of God when he says, commands uh, Adam, uh, from every tree you can eat, but don't eat of that tree. He was That was his preceptive mm-hmm. will. Um, his permissive will was allowing them to mm-hmm. violate his command. And they did that on their yeah. own free moral choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, God could have stopped it, but he permitted it. But then you see his decretive will in the curses, when he says, you know, on your belly, you're going to, to the serpent and to the woman, you know, and to the man, the curses, he makes a decree mm-hmm. of, of what will happen. And it's all wrapped up in that. I, it's, I, the finite, will never get our mind wrapped around right. the infinite. Yeah. Uh, they're there, they're explained, uh, you see it unfolded. Um, I love how the scriptures talks about, yeah, how God draws us to him and then yet uh, it says, whosoever will may come. I mean, um, that w- he offers us the free gift of eternal life by faith. And our part is to receive that mm-hmm. and believe it. Mm-hmm. Um, does God equip me to believe? Uh, well, something has to happen right. if, you know, before I can believe. But so, so there's always this interplay, and it's accepted in the scriptures. Mm-hmm. We see it in the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. Um, the religious leaders chose on their own free moral choices to stone Stephen, to kill him, to reject this message. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, yet the disciples uh, and the early church, they made choices to stay in Jerusalem until the persecution. And that was God allowing that his permitted, his mm-hmm. permissive will to have bad things happen, to stir him up, to accomplish his greater end. Um, so I, I guess the whole point is that as believers, we need to be so in tune with the Lord and, mm-hmm. and walk by the Spirit and, and aware that, um, Lord, what, what do you want me to do? How, how, where are you working? Um, how do I fit into that plan, Lord? And just that sensitivity to go throughout our day, we... We are, and I quoted from the James passage, don't be arrogant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go here and there and there. Lord, what, what is it you want me to do? What, what have you prescribed? What is your prescriptive will for me? So we spend time in the word. We get involved in teaching and hear um, the word. Um, Lord, uh, what are you allowing and permitting happening yeah. in my life right now? That Because um, sometimes we feel... If we're honest with ourselves, I know culturally this is totally a thing, but even if we are honest with ourselves, um, we can feel like God's sovereignty is a threat to our own personal lives in the way that, well, 
I really, let's go back to the garden, you know, let like, is God really good? And, and, in that way, is is he mm-hmm. really withholding this from me? I, mm-hmm. you know, can I really trust yeah. his authority in this? I think I'm going to eat the apple. Well, how do we do that in our in our lives all the time with our money, possessions, our relationships, our time? Like it, the it's, the list is endless. It's how the serpent got her. Huh? It's how the serpent got her to eat it. He had to first say, "Did God really say Insert that?" Insert yeah. that question. Yeah. Right. But, but we actually live our life so oftentimes as if how we spend our leisure, how we spend our money, mm-hmm. how we, are totally all my free right. choices. Right, right. How am I going to react when I have mm-hmm. been offended or when someone has damaged my possessions or when I feel like God has in, you know, been unjust to me or I'm experiencing injustice and whatever. You know, like everything is when you become the sovereign in your own world, like that happens on a daily basis. I know it does in my life. So I, you, um, you brought out in Acts three where um, the oh the lame man. Yeah, no, 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 no. no, no. Um, oh, I've got it in my notes here. Um, let's see. Yes, yes. Acts three, the nineteen through twenty one, where you're oh, no. you emphasize Israel. Get your thinking right. You, this, mm-hmm. you know, who is Jesus? And that's like that's what we have got to do. We have got to take our thoughts captive. We have to. Um, be intentional about learning who God is and his character so that when we're affronted with these things, we can be equipped with how to respond with who, who is this God behind what's happening. And that that takes faith. And so when we, when we um, believe that God is good and he's loving, he's eternal, he's all satisfying, all all the things, just yeah. supremely wise, beautiful. Totally wise and all yeah, all of the things. When we are focusing on that, then then that affects how we respond mm-hmm. to what's happening, mm-hmm. and we we can. Um, you you brought that to the attention that he's also his eminence with with us is that he's he's with us mm-hmm. like he's not separate from what's happening he's very much he's Emmanuel he's God's with us he's he's around us he is very much um intricately working in the details mm-hmm. of the here and now and he's been doing it I mean, you look at Job's life, you look at the fact that he hardened Pharaoh's heart. There's, there's a lot of biblical examples of, wait a minute, that doesn't sound like my God, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, fix your view of who your God is, and you're so right, Alicia. Who, who is he ought to matter more than, than how is he a- actually working? Like, I, I've been challenged and convicted over the last couple of weeks to realize, I don't think it takes faith at all to know how God is working. Yeah. Well, if you see how he's working, there's no faith. Mm-hmm. Boom. This is how God worked. Yeah. And we can we can celebrate that, we can love it. The faith is I don't I don't know how he's working, but I know I know he is. Yeah. yeah. That's that's where mature faith can really start to take shape. I was talking with a, a couple after uh, one of the services Sunday and we were talking about these these very, very same things and, mm-hmm. and the view of God and all that stuff and and still having questions about about that and and um, so I I used the illustration of they had uh, their child with them, and um, and I said, you know, that child, um, um, you, you have to sometimes um, when he's sick, you take him to the doctor, and they 
have to do things that might be painful or mm -hmm. give them that shot or, you know, or go to the dentist and there needs to be some things. And, and they don't understand, they don't understand the details of what all they know is they don't want to be there and it hurts. And they're looking up at you as a parent. And if they know you love them, if, if that's all they need to know, Mm -hmm. And, and they may not understand and you're going to hold them and you're going to, you, you're going to, you know, smile down upon them and, and you're going to comfort them. Um, they don't have to know all the ins and outs. They can't, mm -hmm. they're just a little child, but if they can look into your face and know say, you are. they yeah. love me and that, that, that's what God is. And that's why, you know, I brought up what a great time to have the Lord's table yeah, service too, because right. that's sure. what we, yeah. what we were focusing on last weekend. This yeah. is God's love. And that's like, if you think about God's sovereignty and the beautiful um, communion table and how he's invited us into that. And, and when we look and see how Jesus uh, has used his authority, if Philippians two, I think explains it beautifully. Uh, starting in verse five, have this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God's, uh, with God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. So we see this authority being used to serve, like to serve others. And um, you brought out the, you know, how God's loved us. He, we love because he first loved us. And th this is that picture. If we want to see the heart of God, look at how he's used authority through yeah. his son. And, and doesn't that ultimately, I mean, practically speaking, day-to-day -day issues of life, does, doesn't that make a difference so that when that person does us wrong, we we can have we can make the choice as a free moral agent to hate them for it, to despise mm -hmm. them, to, uh, a spouse, a, a child who who go, goes wrong and is upsetting my life or whatever, uh, get anxious or whatever, or we can make the choice. God is good and God is sovereign. And though what that person did to me was sin, or what this is, the situation is, has the the stench of of the evil one all over it. I know that God is working out a plan, mm -hmm. and the counsel of His will will not be thwarted. Mm -hmm. So, Lord, what? So it. How then I respond to that? How I respond to that person? How how can a person, as it says in Ephesians four, be tenderhearted and forgiving one another? Uh, well. It helps to know that there's a transcendent God mm -hmm. who's working in our life, who's causing all things to work together for good, if you love him. Um, it just, there, personal conflicts would go away. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, to me, it defies understanding. I, and I understand it happens. Uh, people listening, some people may, may still struggle with, you know, being upset with God. Why did God, you know, they get angry with God. Well, if we really new and we're locked in on this idea of how loved we are that he's wise that he's he's you know eternally kind unfathomably 
gracious, and, and, and yet he is sovereign and he's working all things out and he's taking the, the free moral choices of people that are doing bad things to us, whatever, and he somehow is weaving all that in. We can, we can rest in that. We mm-hmm. don't have to be mad at God. We yeah. can, don't have to be mad at others. Yeah. We can begin to see things transcendently yeah. different and th- that's what Stephen did. And God gave Stephen, the first martyr, that heavenly scene where the heavens were opened. He doesn't give that to us, mm-hmm. but he does kind of vicariously through Stephen and through others, through the mm-hmm. scriptures. He's God is up in heaven and mm-hmm. he's working his plan and he's always good and kind and gracious. If we have any doubts about that, look to the cross mm-hmm. and then trust him. Like you were saying, just trust well, him. Well, and you hit the nail on the head. We look at scripture. All this can be tied into biblical dependency mm-hmm. and having an awareness of who God is based on what he has chosen to say, mm-hmm. based on why why we're opening the Bible and doing this on a weekly basis. I want to share a, a tweet from a well-known theologian yesterday. He was speaking at Dallas Theological Seminary, and this is something he said. Uh, he said, we must tether the faith of this next generation to the resurrection of Christ instead of to the inspiration, infallibility, and authority of the Bible, which is a huge problem. So let me, let me read it again. He said, we must tether the future generation, we must tether their faith to the resurrection of Christ instead of the inspiration, infallibility, and authority of the Bible. Oh, wow. So this is now making rounds on Twitter, and all these well-known theologians and pastors are speaking into this, and, and one other pastor, now granted Twitter's probably not the best place for this kind of discourse, <laughs> somebody tweeted, does somebody want to tell him that our faith of the resurrection is based on the inspiration, the infallibility, <laughs> and the authority of the Bible? This person... This has been happening for years. This this theologian has been deviating from God's word. He's mm-hmm. he's he's teaching it and preaching it less in the name of cultural reasons to focus on the bare minimum instead of understanding well our mm-hmm. our understanding of the bare minimum that you claim is there mm-hmm. this Jesus the his death it's rooted in scripture yeah. and there's so much there. Doesn't that harken mm-hmm. back again? You brought it up already to Genesis three. Indeed, has God said? Yeah. Yeah. So now, right away, we're questioning mm-hmm. that for what's best for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the resurrection of Christ is best for me. Well, sure, sure. But, but if it's you know, it's a, it's a right. subtle way of getting the focus. What's best for me yeah, off of mm-hmm. what God has said? Yeah. And and you're right. It is. It's epidemic. It's, it's 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 happening all over. People my age are falling victim to it. It's this. It's an emotional theology. It's a self help approach to church. And it, we're ditching yeah, the word of yeah. God because it's controversial. It's, it's harder to to walk through. And and it seems like more and more people are are lacking the ability to let scripture defend itself, yeah. to mm-hmm. own scripture enough to say, hey, I'm just telling you what it says. Like, like I've, I've continually had to learn, I can share the word of God and understand if things are going to get rough in this interaction, they're rough coming up against truth, and it ain't my truth. Mm-hmm. I hope the words I use are God's instead of my own. Heaven forbid yeah. I get in his way. But we get scared, and, well, and these that's things, the consequence. These things about talking about the sovereignty of God and all these things, and you know how God is behind this mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the absolute freedom and of, of mm-hmm. sovereignty of God, it, it, it doesn't sit well. Because at the bottom line is again what Satan was doing with mm-hmm. Adam and Eve. It's putting God over here and putting me at the center mm-hmm. of what I think I want and what I need. I don't want a God. Is the mindset mm-hmm. of, of the the deception of the world. I don't want a God 
who is ordering certain things that I don't like that it affects my happiness. I'd rather be my own authority. I'd rather be my own authority. And the the sad thing about all the tragic thing about all that is it's it's like a little child again Mm -hmm. who says, I want to play in the street because it's more fun there than in my backyard Mm -hmm. while there's semi trailers and trucks going down that road. Mm -hmm. I want that's more fun for me. We we have the, the the audacity of human finite human beings to say what that guy said mm-hmm. and say, I, I think I know what's best for my happiness. Look, our role is to know our God, walk hum- humbly with him and submit ourselves to his authority, mm-hmm. to his sovereignty. And um, chief end of man, the Westminster Confession says, is to glorify God. That's living a life that yep. brings honor to him and, and enjoy, enjoy him forever. forever. And um, that's... First Peter 3 says uh, in verse 15, it hits this on the head, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. And where where do we find those answers of the hope that's in us in the scriptures? Mm-hmm. And so I, in connection with our building bridges theme and all of that, that's, that's where we can rest. That's where we mm-hmm. can find our assurance and knowing that God's sovereign, but being prepared, having our minds ready to share that hope that's within us. Because right here, the Bible, it's, it is absolutely 100% sufficient for everything that we yeah. need. And, and Peter had to learn that, as we'll see next week in chapter 10, because yes. <laughs> it, he didn't want to do that. He, it, to go to a Gentile, it was everything, it, you know, you talk about happiness that would not make a Jew happy. His reputation was going to be at stake. Mm-hmm. Everything would be, everything that he held dear was going to be thrown out the window. He had to but walk dependently upon what God had said and trust it and know that God knows what he was doing. If Peter wanted to do what he was doing, wanted to do, we we would never be here today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, good good stuff. Oh, yeah. Guys, thank you for being here. Alicia, welcome back. Long time no see. Uh, Mark, back in the pulpit. Appreciate it. Looking forward to Acts 10. As a reminder to our viewers and listeners, we're coming at you each and every week on your favorite podcast platform. Just type in Sermon Spotlight. You'll see the purple logo will pop right up. The fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons are not meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love. God bless.